Awesome, awesome. All right. How many of you have your notepads with you or a pen, something to take notes with? You got a notebook, notepad, something? Uh, you're going to want to take notes because when I give you notes, I only give you part of the story. You're going to want to write other things down. I believe the Holy Spirit continues to expound on things that you need to hear. So be f feel free to color outside the lines of those notes. Those are just an outline. Uh, but at the same time, how many of you have your Bibles with you today? Anybody have a Bible? Why don't you hold that up? It's a physical Bible or a digital device because we're going to have you use those today. We always use them, uh, but it's important to me, it's kind of a core value to actually have individuals open their Bibles and look with your own eyes what it is the Lord's talking to you about today. And so go ahead and start making your way over to Acts chapter 1, would you? Acts chapter 1, because we're going to begin there in Acts chapter 1. Today I'm going to talk to you about releasing the power of God through your life. How many of you are excited about releasing the power of God through your life? Amen. Today's about mobilizing. I really feel that the Lord has an assignment on this church this year as we focus into 2020, and it's an activating of the body of Christ, that you've been through so much wonderful equipping and training, but how many of you know the reason you're equipped is so you can get in the game? Come on now. So you can get in the game. No one has equipment just to have nice, shiny equipment. You've been given equipment to get in the game, to start scoring some touchdowns, start seeing some, some winning uh, that you're participating in. So that's where I believe the Lord's taking you as a church. And I'm so honored today to bring you the word. I'm so grateful for Pastor Ed and Jody and who they are and the friendship that they've offered to my family. Uh, he's now my pastor. He's not only my employer, but he's, he's a man of God in my life. And so would you just celebrate? I know he can't hear you right now, but would you just celebrate and honor Pastor Ed just one more time as he's going to represent us in Puerto Rico. I thank God he has the nations in his heart. So we have a pastor with vision for the nation, so that's exciting. This topic of the Holy Spirit, I want to talk to you today about the Holy Spirit, the power of the Spirit, and our responsibility. Those are kind of my three goals today. I have loved the Holy Spirit ever since I first was introduced to him as a young man. Uh, I was born and raised in Southern California in a place called Corona. We went to Lighthouse Assembly of God, which was this kind of square metal building on the top of a hillside in Riverside, California. It overlooked the city underneath. My mom was the choir director. That's a funny story there, how she became a choir director. My mom and dad made a deal with God that if um, he would get them a specific house that they wanted, that we'd start going back to church. And God got them the house and we were in church. There you go. So sometimes God even honors those things. My mom became the choir director and she would bring us there um, to kind of hang out at the building while she was leading choir practice. And I used to find myself going out in front of the church up on this hillside and I would envision this city. There's, I didn't envision it, it was there. I could see the city and there was this massive like 60 foot cross in front of the church and, and I would go out there and I'd begin to preach. And like I said a few weeks ago when I was ministering, I've given my life to Jesus as a young boy and and I believe that God has keeping power, amen? That when you bring Jesus to a young person, they can stick with the Lord all of their life. And when you introduce them to the power of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit is so much more interesting than what the world has to offer and the life that he gives. That's why our young people need not only to receive Jesus, but to receive power and then give permission for them to release that power as young people, amen? And so I would go out there while my mom would lead choir practice and I would begin to preach to the city and I would envision mass crusades and revivals and people coming to Christ. And I mean, I'm talking rabbits were getting saved, casting demons out of squirrels. It was awesome. I mean, birds are falling out under the power of God while I'm preaching. I mean, at least that's the way I saw it. 
I would stand up there on the hillside and the wind would kind of go through the valley and I could feel the wind kind of through my hair. And as a young person, I kind of imagined that was the Holy Spirit coming upon me. Just, just blow, Holy Spirit, you know, just let the power just fill me now. And I've since then realized that that wind blowing through my hair is just wind blowing through my hair. It's not what I need to rely on. I don't wait for a wind like that to move in the operation of the Spirit. But I was so hungry for the things of the Spirit of God. And I think that's where we are as a church. You know, it's blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. You will be filled. And if this church has a hunger for the things of the Spirit of God, a hunger for God, God will say yes, and he will keep, we can keep feasting on that. And so today, while we're talking about the Spirit, we're talking about uh, the power of the Spirit, the responsibility of the Spirit, I want to start here in Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Once, while he was eating, this is talking about Jesus, he was eating with his disciples, so once, while he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift that he has promised, and he's referring to the person of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit's baptism. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but you in just a few days will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Go and jump down to verse seven. He replied, the Father alone has authority to set the dates and times. Those are not for you to know, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Can you say power? power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now that word power there, you're familiar with it maybe, it's the word dunamis where we get our word dynamite power, okay? Now I love to say it like this when I teach people about the Holy Spirit, that you have been given dynamite power. You don't just have a little bit of power. You have enough power to blow the enemy away. Somebody say amen. Now you may not feel it all the time. Sometimes we don't feel anointed. Sometimes we don't feel when we wake up in the morning like we have a lot of power. But today I'm here to remind you about who you are and the power that is on the inside of you already and our responsibility to release it and then to encourage you to start doing that even today. That's where we're headed. Open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. Let's just go a few pages over. Let's talk about what it means to be empowered and what we're to be doing with that power baptized in the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. So this is Jesus referring to Jesus and what he did with the power that was upon him, the baptism that came on him. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. I want to remind you today that Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power, but notice what he did with that anointing. He went around looking for places to do good and heal any oppression he saw from the enemy. Today, you, those of you who have been filled with the Spirit, those of you that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you are empowered with the power of God. The same Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead now dwells in you. Somebody say amen to that. 
Let me tell you something. If the devil could have stopped one thing in history, he would have stopped the resurrection. But he couldn't stop the resurrection because the Spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead. And that same Spirit dwells in you. Are you understanding what I'm saying? If the devil couldn't stop the resurrection, he can't stop the Spirit that resides in you. You are unstoppable. Somebody say amen to that. It is not your strength, it is God's strength on the inside of you. I am here to help you stir that gift up that's on the inside of you today and to remind you, you are empowered with an explosive power to destroy any work of the devil that comes across your path and you are commissioned by God to do so. Amen. And so today, we're going to begin to become a people who are looking for places to do good and to help anywhere we see the oppression of the devil. You're anointed, my friend. You're anointed. It's called the book of Acts, amen? The book of action. Sometimes we use it like the book of analytics and we're analyzing everything. This book was meant to show us what we're capable of, meant to show us what God was offering us, meant to give us a blueprint, not of what they did, but of what we're called to do. Sometimes the Bible refers to this as the acts of the apostles, but I wanna challenge that to you. Uh, That's not necessarily the scripture. That was the way people who put the Bible together, they titled this book, the acts of the apostles. That itself is not inspired. It was just used as a title. I'm here to tell you that this book is not the acts of the apostles. This book is the acts of the Holy Spirit upon willing individuals. Amen. Too many times we look at the book of Acts like we're studying what someone else did, someone else was capable of doing. That is a blueprint, that is a model, that is to get you excited about who's on the inside of you and what you're capable of doing. Somebody say amen to that. Absolutely, absolutely. Anointed, let's talk about that word anointing. That word anointing means to be covered upon, smeared over, to be saturated with. You are anointed, you are covered, you are baptized in this spirit and the power of the spirit that comes with him. The book of Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27 has a verse that I wanna kind of talk about just for a minute. This is referring to Israel when they were in captivity under the Assyrians. And the Bible was talking about the anointing coming upon them. And we're talking about Jesus being anointed with the Holy Spirit and the spirit of God's power coming upon Jesus. And and this verse is so key because it kind of gives you the, the idea of what comes upon you when you become anointed, when you realize that you're anointed. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27 says like this, it shall come to pass that in that day that his burden, now this is the chains of oppression from the Assyrians, shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke or that controlling kind of mechanism like a yoke of oxen in the field that they're being turned and they're being uh, directed by the Assyrians or their taskmasters, okay? That yoke will be, shall be taken from off thy neck and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. And so what the scriptures was telling uh, Israel here is that the anointing of God was going to be a burden-removing, yoke-destroying power that would come upon them to set them free from their oppression, to set them free from their captivity, and to destroy those things that held them bound. That is the purpose of the anointing of the Spirit upon your life. Amen. That's what you saw Jesus doing, right? He was going around breaking yokes, breaking chains and setting captives free. That's what the power of God in us is for. Can I hear an amen on that? If you don't know what something is for, then we don't, we can abuse it or we can neglect it. And so today I'm here to help you remember why you're anointed. Come on now. 
when I was a kid growing up, there was a song in my youth group and it was called, I've Got the Anointing. Anyone ever hear that song as a kid growing up? I've got the anointing. It goes, I've got the anointing. Forgive my singing. Forgot the, I've got the anointing. I've got the anointing. And it goes, burning, removing, yoke destroying, power of God within me. Anybody hear that song ever in their life? Okay, just me. It, it exists, I promise. It's a real song. But what I really liked about this song was then the drums would kick in. And when you're a teenager, man, those drums meant everything to you. And then the drums would kick in. It would go, doo -doo 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 -doo. and then it would get into this bridge and it would say, burden removing, yoke destroying, power of God within me. Doo -doo -doo. Burden removing, yoke destroying, power of God within me. Doo -doo -doo. Okay. And then you go, up an, you go up an octave, which is that's when the spirit kicks in in the service. You go up an octave. Burden removing, yoke destroying, power of God within me. Right? And I remember one time, right in the middle of one of my little happy do -do 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 -do, that I heard the Spirit of God speak to me, and I'm like, burden removing. And I heard God speak to my spirit and say, great. Now, her, whose burdens are you removing? Whose yokes are you destroying with the power I've put in you? And I was just kind of like, oh, man. You totally ruined my song. That's my jam. Because here's what was happening. God was calling out responsibility onto us that have been baptized and filled with power. Amen? Amen. You know, I remember the words of the wise old philosopher, Spider-Man. And he said, with great power comes great responsibility. Oh, you heard of, heard of Spider-Man. With great power comes great responsibility. And that's what God was challenging me because too many times we like to sing about the power. Too many times we like to experience and feel the power. Too many times we even like to study the power and look at the revivals of the past. But you have been anointed, my friend. You have been filled. You have been empowered for a purpose. Somebody say amen. To remove burdens, to destroy yokes, to set the liberty the captive. Amen. There are people that have been under the yokes and the oppression of the enemy for far too long. And it's not because God hasn't supplied the mechanism to free them. But it speaks too many times those of us with the power have not released that power to help them become free. Amen. Amen. Responsibility. I love that word, responsibility. Let's talk about the concept of baptized. Because remember, Jesus said you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit not many days from now. First of all, in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, John the Baptist refers to Jesus as the baptizer in the Holy Spirit. The baptizer in the Holy Spirit. I want to remind you of that, that pastors don't baptize people in the Holy Spirit. We, we, we offer our hands to pray, but also believers pray for one another and they can be filled with the Holy Spirit. There was a kind of a, a thought in some of the early church where an apostle, only an apostle could baptize someone in the Holy Spirit, but yet even the Bible gives us examples like Ananias in the book of Acts that went and prayed for the apostle Paul and he's the one that actually baptized Paul in the Holy Spirit. So God, in the book of Acts, even we see that there were non-apostles. Ananias was just a guy. He was just a guy that lived there in Damascus. And God said, I have a mission for you. Go and meet this guy, Paul, baptize him in the spirit. Why do I use Ananias as an example? Because I don't want us as a church to think that only pastors and apostles can baptize people in the Holy Spirit. Amen that God uses your hands and you may be right in the very place where you can lay your hands on someone that's given their life to Jesus and you don't have to wait to bring them to church to empower them with this burden removing, yoke destroying power, but you can lead them in a prayer and you can lead them into receiving the filling and the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you excited about this yet? 
Absolutely, absolutely. But Jesus is the baptizer through your hands. That's why it doesn't matter that if it's an apostle or if it's a disciple or a, you know, a Christian, because Jesus is really the one that baptizes people in the Holy Spirit. The other reason I wanna say that is this, you never have to be afraid of anything that comes from the hands of Jesus. Sometimes people, they're okay with God the Father, they're okay with God the Son, but when it comes to God the Holy Spirit, he's kind of like the creepy uncle at Thanksgiving that you don't want your, your girlfriend to meet, and he's kind of hanging out over there in the family room watching football. It's like we're okay with telling people about God the Father, we're okay with telling people about Jesus, but we're so confused about the Holy Spirit, or we're so intimidated by him, and we're afraid of what might happen if someone meets the Holy Spirit. And I thank God that this church does not believe that way, that this church receives the Holy Spirit. This church... Um, honors the move of the Spirit of God. Amen? Amen? Absolutely. But I want to help you if you're new to church and you've kind of been burned by people who talk about spirit things or you've been confused about it. I just want to remind everybody that the Holy Spirit's baptism, that filling, that empowering comes from the hands of Jesus. And you, you can trust Jesus. You can open up yourself and you can say, okay, Jesus, I may not understand all the theology. I may not understand all of some of the crazy stuff I've seen in church but I can trust that you would bring me something that will help my life, that will help my family. And so I'm open to it because it comes from Jesus. Matthew chapter three, amen? Verse 11. But I wanna talk to you a little bit about the idea of, of the baptism uh, being a separate work, not just receiving everything from the spirit at salvation, just for a minute. We believe that this baptism is a separate work of the spirit after a person is made right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now we need the, the Holy Spirit to operate that process of becoming born again to help us in that. The Holy Spirit is present. The Holy Spirit is helping us when someone gives their life to Jesus. But this concept, this idea of being baptized in the Holy Spirit is something that is now available to us now that we've been washed, now that we've been cleansed, and now God is ready to fill us, okay? And that can happen the same, the same moment if you desire to when you give your life to Jesus. You don't have to wait two weeks, three months, go through Bible college before you earn or understand everything about the Spirit. You can receive this empowerment, this dynamite power so that you can be successful in your life and you can go home and set your family free. Come on now. Even though you don't understand everything, you're still empowered and equipped. But it's important that we do understand that we have to also say, God, I'm open to being baptized. I'm open. I, I welcome this filling. I welcome this empowerment of the spirit in my life. Life. Acts chapter 19, uh, verses 1 and 2. This is the Apostle Paul about 20 years after the day of Pentecost, 20 years after the Holy Spirit was poured out for the first time upon the church like this. Why do I bring that up? The reason I bring that up, I love how I answer my own questions. It's so funny. Anyways, the reason I bring that up is because the filling of the Holy Spirit, this baptism of the Holy Spirit was not just for the beginning of the church in that first year of its infancy. You see two decades are going by and you still see the apostles saying, 20 years later, we still need this filling. And now I can tell you 2000 years later, guess what? We still need this filling. Come on, somebody. Amen. And what I love about it is it's the same filling that the apostles had, the same filling that was upon Jesus's life, the same potency, the same power. That is you, that is, that is who is upon you, that is who you are in and who's in you, amen. So you can look at the apostle Peter and you can look at the apostle Paul and you can see their acts and what's in them. That's supposed to help entice you and to help build you up on the inside to say, if they can do it, so can I. 
Not, oh, they did it, they're apostles, they're the roof, they're the ceiling. No, my friends, they're the foundation. We should be 2,000 years further along in these operations. Somebody say amen to that. Too many times we put limitations upon how far we can go and grow. And we can say, oh, it can never become what they were. We're not supposed to be what they were. We're supposed to be 2,000 years further along. Somebody get excited about that. Again, God hasn't run out of things for us to do or ways to use us. We've put all these limiting mindsets upon ourselves. Amen. Acts chapter 19, back there again. Here the apostle Paul, 20 years after the day of Pentecost, he comes to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul was passing through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, finding certain disciples there. He said to them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you believed? They said unto him, we have not even heard there was a Holy Spirit. And I believe that's where this generation lies today. There's not so much an antagonism against the Holy Spirit or a prejudice against the Holy Spirit. Now we have a whole generation of churches and pastors that didn't even know there is a Holy Spirit anymore. They don't know anything about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They don't know anything about laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. They don't know anything about how to handle spiritual demonic attacks that go on in people's lives and things like that. But yet God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. And if there is an ignorance in the church, it's because we've allowed it to be there. So there's a whole generation now that didn't even know they had the ability to move in the things of the Spirit or what to expect. And that's what Paul was addressing here. But notice he found a group of believers and he immediately asked them, he said, did you receive this baptism since you believed? He didn't assume just because they were Christians, they had received this baptism. You can now go to Acts chapter eight. Are you following with me in your Bibles? Go to Acts chapter eight. You can see a similar situation. I'm just trying to lay that foundation that just because someone was a Christian doesn't mean that they just automatically received or opened themselves up to this baptism. Acts chapter eight, verse 12. So here there's a revival going on, a move of God in the city of Samaria. And Philip who's an evangelist, who by the way, wasn't one of the apostles. Um, I just wanna say that because you see God using him as an evangelist. He's got prophetic daughters, he's casting out demons, sorcerers are getting saved. I mean, people are just coming to Christ, a massive move of God coming from someone that's not one of Jesus' disciples or apostles. I think that's pretty awesome to be pointed out, amen. And he has his whole prophetic family that he's raising, which is awesome. So Philip's having this move of God and now all of a sudden Jerusalem and the apostles in Jerusalem hear about this move of God in Samaria and they say, they say quickly, send Peter and John, send them to Samaria because we wanna make sure we're, we're supporting what God's doing there in Samaria. And so Peter and John go to Samaria specifically for a purpose. And this is, this is what they specifically came to do, verse 12. But now the people believe Philip's message of the good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized, began following Philip. So they were baptized into salvation. That's where that was. Wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and the great miracles uh, Philip was performing. And again, Philip was not one of the apostles. He was an evangelist. But he wasn't one of the original apostles, but God was using him to do great miracles. Verse 14, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard uh, that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message. See, they'd come to Christ. They'd been baptized in water. They accepted God's message. They sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. And so again, this is where we're headed today, that we are opening ourselves up to receive the Holy Spirit. And remember, when you receive this baptism, when you receive the Spirit, we're receiving the person of the Holy Spirit, but you're also receiving that anointing of power, that burden-removing, yoke-destroying power upon your life, 
okay? Now let's talk real quickly about the word or the idea of baptism. The word baptized is the word immersed. And so I have this, this uh, little kiddie pool here to help us with an illustration because I'd like us to get an idea of what it means uh, in being baptized in the Spirit. So if this was like a full-blown baptism tank, obviously you could go all the way in to this baptism, okay? The idea of being baptized in the Spirit is the word immersion. Just like we water baptize people, they're all in, amen? They're all in. When you baptize someone into Christ, you go all into Jesus. Somebody get excited about that, right? That's why I love, you don't, you don't leave one leg out, right? You don't leave one habit out or one relationship out that you don't want to bring in. When you go into Christ, you bring it all in. You bring in the good, the bad, and the ugly. Jesus wants it all. And I could preach on that by itself. Here's something else you bring in, right? When you get baptized into Christ, you don't get baptized and leave your wallet out. Like you're going under the water, but your wallet's like out here. No, it, it all comes. Your time, your treasure, your talent. It all gets immersed into Jesus. Totally covered, totally immersed into Jesus. Well, the same idea is true in the Holy Spirit. You are baptized, you are immersed in the Holy Spirit of God. So what's the lesson I want you to see here? Sometimes because of our water baptism illustration and how we baptize people in water, we don't get the full impact of what it means to be baptized even into Christ. That's being water baptized into your faith in Christ. When you get out of the baptism water, See, here's the thing. When we baptize you as a pastor in water, we have to, by law, let you back up again, right? <laughs> but honestly, the better image would be to put you in the water and leave everybody there, right? Now, it's totally wrong and nobody would want to get baptized. I get it. It's, it's not ideal. But the concept is this. What happens is we walk out of the baptism tank and then we refer to a moment in our life when we were baptized, I was baptized in 1985. But we forget the real lesson here. When you were baptized, immersed into Christ, you never come out. Right? You're still immersed into Jesus, I hope. Come on, somebody. You're still all into Jesus. But the same is true with the baptism in the Spirit. You're immersed. When you're baptized, when you're filled, you're immersed into power, you're immersed into the Spirit. But too many times we say, I was baptized in the Spirit in 1985. I want to remind you today, it's not I was baptized in the Spirit, it is I am baptized in the Spirit. I am covered and surrounded and immersed with the Spirit and His power. If anything's going to come into my life, it's got to come through that baptism. Come on now. If the devil's going to attack me, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fight from this position. Amen. Not I was baptized, but that attack, that thing the enemy's trying to do in my life, I will fight it from the position that I am a spirit-filled man. I am baptized. I am surrounded. I am covered. I'm in him and he's in me. Amen. It's not I was baptized. It's I am a baptized person. I am in Christ. I am in his spirit. Are you seeing what I'm saying? But too many times we put it in the past and, and we think the power was, was, was back there somewhere. You were baptized into power and you've never come out, somebody say amen. You're still powerful, you're still anointed, amen. When I don't feel powerful, I still am. You know, there's days I feel powerful and there's days I don't feel powerful. There's days I feel like I could part the water in a water fountain and there are days I feel like I can't even part my hair. 
There are days I feel worthy. Come on now, there are days you feel good about yourself. You're like, man, I haven't sinned in like three hours. You feel good about yourself. But then there's days you don't feel good about yourself. But I'm here to tell you, my friend, whether you feel good about yourself, you don't feel good about yourself, whether you feel worthy, you don't feel worthy, whether you feel the power or you don't feel the power, whether you feel the wind or you don't feel the wind, you're powerful. Come on now. And that power goes with you to work. It's not just power in church. You're immersed in the spirit. You're immersed. You're anointed with the Holy Spirit and power to go around doing good, healing all who are oppressed of the devil. Amen. It's not just for the house of God, because let me let you in a secret. You are the house of God. Amen. Amen. I am anointed and I am filled regardless of how I feel. Amen. So today I want to remind you of why. You are baptized and filled and you are anointed. Now it's time to go about doing good, healing all who are oppressed of the devil, to release that power, to release that burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. Today I want to add some language into this house, and it's this. Mindsets plus skill sets plus action equals success. Mindsets plus skill sets plus action equals success. Is today a blockage in your mindset when it comes to the anointing on your life that you somehow feel like you're not worthy? Or maybe you feel like you left the power somewhere way back there the last time you had some experience in a church building or something like that. Is there a mindset that has to change? Is there a skill set that has to be learned praying for somebody else, sitting and walking through scriptures with them? Or is it a lack of action? I believe that's where most of the church falls short most of the time. It's a lack of action. We actually know more than we live out sometimes. We actually have the skills. We've been through training. We've done Bible studies. We've watched so many sermons on things like this. But what it is, it's a failure to execute. It's a failure to act. And remember, this is a book of acts. Not just a book to be analyzed, a book to be studied, but it's a book to be copied, a book to be lived, a book to be experiencing on a daily level, on a daily basis. And so I want to have that in our minds. That's why you see me with this bat. I know you've been thinking, why does he have an orange bat in his hand? I'm protecting myself in case you don't like my preaching. No, just kidding. No, this is actually my son's bat, Isaiah over here, my little guy in the wheelchair. He's in buddy ball and he let me borrow his bat uh, today. And it's a bright orange and that's just the way it is. It's a bright orange bat. But here's what I want you to see when it comes to action and it comes to operating in the moving of the Spirit, which is our goal today, starting to operate in the moving of the Spirit. I want to talk about Babe Ruth. Anybody know who Babe Ruth is? Not the candy bar, but the person? Babe Ruth. Babe Ruth, 714 home runs. That's quite a few. But I also want you to see he had 1,330 strikeouts. He led the league in strikeouts five times. I want to say this when it comes to action. The reason some people see more miracles than others flowing through their life is because they just choose to pray for more people than other people do. They just choose to swing the bat more than someone else swings the bat. Are you seeing that? You see people and you hear people say, oh, this certain missionary, they got all these miracles or this, this pastor on television, so many miracles or this person, this lady that you know in the prayer group, oh, they've seen so many healings and so many people have been set free from addiction and, and so much a demonstration of the power. I wanna pose this to you. The reason they've seen more than you is just because they've swung the bat more than you've swung the bat. It's not because they're more worthy because Jesus makes us worthy. Come on, somebody. 
It's not because they're more powerful, because it's the same Holy Spirit that's offered to all of us. They don't have a, a stronger potency of the Holy Spirit than you do. The reason they've seen more miracles is because they've laid hands on more people than you've laid hands on. That's all it is. It's a numbers thing. If you were to ask them, how come you've seen 10,000 healings? They've probably prayed for 100,000 people. Do you see what I'm saying? They just keep swinging the bat. What happens if, if you pray for someone and you don't see the instant manifestation? Or, or what if somebody you prayed for ends up dying and going to heaven? Well, first of all, let's just say this. Them going to heaven is not a loss for them. But we use that as an excuse to not pray for somebody else. So maybe you swung the bat and believed God for some big things. You laid hands on some people and you believed God for some things. And maybe you didn't see the manifestation happen. The worst thing you can do is put the bat down. You pick the bat back up and you keep looking for more people to swing the bat, more people to lay hands on. That's actually one of the best ways to get out of that funk, that discouragement, to not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by going and doing some good. Come on, that'll get you out of depression. That'll get you out of that negativity. You start swinging the bat. And that's what action is. That's what I'm saying. We have mindset, skill set, but you, at some point, you're going to have to swing the bat. At some point, you're going to have to Take the brave step, put yourself out there and ask someone if they need prayer. You're gonna see a need in someone's life and you're gonna to have to come alongside them and say, my friend, would you be willing to allow me to agree with you that God does a miracle and swing the bat? As much as you know, as much skills as you learn, if you don't swing the bat, you'll never hit anything. Are you hearing this? And so today is about realizing you are spirit-filled. You have that power of God on the inside of you. This, I'm talking to those who have had that encounter. It's there, it's in you, but now we have to release it and be confident it's there. Here's the scripture that I really wanna just make sure is in your uh, kind of thoughts as we're kind of coming to a close here. Um, and that is Acts chapter three, verse six. Acts chapter three, verse six, and I'm gonna close. Acts chapter three, verse six says this. Peter said, this is Peter and John go to the temple beautiful and there's a beggar there that's um, been crippled his entire life. And the beggar is looking for silver or gold or, or money. But Peter says this, he says, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Here's my prayer for us today. To have that kind of confidence in what we have so that we can say that which I have, I give to you. If you don't believe you have it, you'll never offer to give it to somebody. See, you'll never, if you don't realize you have the solution, you'll never offer the solution. See, I love the confidence there in Peter. He says, look, I know what I don't have and I know what I have, but I'm willing to give you what I have. Now, I know there's some things I don't have, Kevin Kringle does not have, but there is one thing I do know I have. I have the baptism of the spirit. I have the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God on the inside of me, come on. And so do you, but it's time for you to lay hold of it. It's time for you to believe it and receive it, amen. And to be able to walk into your workplace, to be able to walk into that mom's group, to be able to walk into that legal office, wherever. God needs spirit baptized believers in those places of influence because there's burdens, there are yokes of bondage, there are chains there, and the demonstration of the Spirit is there to let people know God is real and He loves them. And you're the carrier of that Spirit. But if you don't believe you have it, you won't release it. So we must get to the place that we say, that which I have, 
that which I have. Some days I don't feel like I qualify. Some days I don't feel like I'm worthy. Some days I don't feel like I've earned it, but praise God, it was all paid for through the blood of Jesus that he qualified me. He made me worthy. The reason I'm baptized is because he's baptized me. And so I thank God it's not about me. Amen. I am filled because Jesus wants me filled. But could you own it today? Would you take that responsibility today and to say that which I have, I give. And so to this week's responsibility, this week's action points for you to swing the bat this week is just this. Look for places, listen for need, listen for oppression, listen for places that people are hurting and offer to pray. Offer to pray. Don't worry about, well, I don't know if I'll be able to heal them. You don't heal them anyway. Your responsibility is not to heal them. Your responsibility is to lay hands on them, to pray for them, to let God channel through you and move through you. That's your responsibility. That's the win. The win this week is if everyone in this house allows the Holy Spirit to give them enough compassion and confidence to offer to pray for somebody and see if God does something in their life. That would be a huge win this week. Amen? Can you believe for that this week? Now, real quick, real quick, just real quick. I know I'm supposed to be closing. I'm closing. But let me just say this. When you start praying for people uh, to be healed or for God to move in their life, please don't get weird. Like, don't change your voice tone. Well, God, heal my brother. If you don't speak like that regularly, don't change. If you speak like that regularly, we could have a healing service too, because I think you got like a severe asthma issue going on anyway. Don't change who you are to pray for somebody because you think now you got to sound spiritual. Just be you. Come on now. Just be you. Be normal. Be natural. Be compassionate. Be caring. It doesn't have to be the perfect prayer. It's just extend that hand of faith. Extend those words of faith and let God move through you. And you can never go wrong at helping people and loving people. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by the ministry of Calvary Orlando. We invite you to join us in person at Calvary Orlando for one of our Sunday morning worship experiences each Sunday at 10.30 a.m. To find out more about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryorlando.org. Here you can find our latest events and ministry opportunities. Thanks for listening and God bless.